Today on Tech Edge, it's this and that. A lot of things we wanted to get to and we haven't yet. First things first, uh, we start with the tip and today's tip is about taking a picture of what's on your iPad at the moment. So to take a picture we're gonna actually use a screen that is on Google Earth because it's more interesting than my home screen and we're going to talk about Google Earth later. We press the top button first and then quickly press the uh, home button on the bottom of the iPad, you see that flash and there's actually a camera sound, which I'm not sure you caught. And that means this now is a photo in our regular photo stream. So if we turn off and go to our photos, you can see that I have a variety of photos, but here is the photo we just took from Google Earth. So if you have students working on something, finding something online, a photo or creating something, if there's no other way to communicate what they found, they can always take a picture and then they can use it just like any other photo. They can send it to other computers, to the teacher, or just save it on that machine. First, we're going to start with two applications we've mentioned before and I wanted to uh, show a little bit better. The first one is Flipboard. And Flipboard is a way to get streams of information that you have from other sources like Twitter or your Facebook pages as, uh, as well as pre-designed channels to uh, be presented in a graphic format that is very appealing and um, a lot more informative than some of these feeds, especially your Twitter feed. And the second one is Google Earth. We just saw a piece of Google Earth and I want to show what are some possibilities of things we can do with kids as they explore other places or even their hometown. Flipboard is actually um, on my dock because I use it quite often. To open it, you just flip the pages and you can see that the uh, that Flipboard works like a magazine. You can see my first few streams of information, but there's actually for me a second page, so I have multiple things coming in. And I want to show you one of my personal streams. This is my Twitter feed. And Twitter, as you well know, or don't yet, is 140 characters, so it's usually very, very short. But the best things on the Twitter feed are actually the links to articles, blog, blog posts, and things like that. What Flipboard does with your Twitter feed is it actually pulls some of that information and presents it in a magazine form. So instead of 140 characters, I actually have the beginning of the story already pulled here so you actually can see if you're interested in that post or not. And you can flip back a few days and see what are other things that are there. Now if you're interested in something, for example, 12 findings on mind, brain, and education, what you have to do is press on it, it'll give you the beginning of the story, but it'll pull the rest of the page and you can read it as it shows up, whether it's online or in a specific uh, app, it will show up here. So that's what Flipboard does for us. What can you do with Flipboard? Well, you can do a few things. If you switch your account, you can actually see different kinds of content coming in and part of it is your personal account, so in my case, I pulled in my Facebook, Twitter, my Reader account, and my LinkedIn account, but you can 
rely on any accounts you have on your own or, and you don't have to pull them here. You can also respond to any of your accounts from here. So you, if you read something from your Facebook, you can actually respond to it through this program. Uh, otherwise, you can pull out collections that have actually been created outside of your own personal stream. So if you're interested in entertainment or you're interested, interested in education, you can find a specific stream that you think will be interesting. Let's say we are interested in technology and science. Uh, these are the three that I'm actually pulling right now, iPad news and gadget and tech. But you can go to Wired Magazine, which I also actually have coming in, or apps, app reviews, and news. And now I've got a new stream, and it focuses on apps, which is actually highly relevant to what we're doing. So again, this idea, this Flipboard, pulls a lot of information and adds the graphic value, the video, everything in it in a very nice, easy to read design. It's excellent for collecting information. It's excellent for reading news, reading feeds that you have in an appealing and quick way. Okay, and we start Google Earth. And this is our location. So this is where we are right now. And on university, and if we want to go somewhere else, and this is one of my favorite things to do as you use Google Earth, because that can show kids how things move around the Earth. So if we go to Beijing, China, first it zooms out, then you see the Earth rotating, which is an important effect, I think, just to understand how this thing works instead of a flat map. You get a sense of the three-dimensionality of things. And slowly, we zoom in on Beijing, China. And there are ways to have more or less layers on the map. You can press layers on the side and decide which layers do you want on the map. I like turning everything on. And I think that with students, that can be very, very useful because then you have access to multiple ways of learning about a new place. But if we look at Beijing and we want to see the center of Beijing, we can zoom in very, very quickly. And it always takes a little bit time to get clearer, and that's fine. And what you can see is you can see actually the buildings here. But even better than that, you can see that slowly we get to see different pictures. So if you click on one of these little icons, you'll get more information. It could be a picture, it could be a story. Um, in this case, it's a photograph. In front, it's a bronze lion. And if you click on the photograph, you can actually see a larger photograph. And so now we can see the full picture with detail. And again, we can share it or open it in Safari in this case. And we can close it, but if we open another picture just for oh, the same picture, you can also see the comments that different people that visited the website or sometimes people that visited the exact uh, site actually made comments on. And you can see that some of it is actually in Chinese, other things are in English, and it can be 
again in multiple languages and students can actually add their own comments if they want to so you can see that there are conversations about everything that has happened here uh, so that's one kind of information you can draw from Google the other one are actually Wikipedia stories so for example the Meridian Gate pressing on this will get a summary of the Wikipedia story here and you can actually access the full article if you press on the bottom it'll take you to Wikipedia and give you more sources so this is a way for students to explore new places or actually their hometowns as well because you can zoom in on your own hometown on your neighborhood and we know that in the early grades that's one of the things we do and kids love finding their homes and what's around them so all of that information is very useful if you have iPad 2's or iPad 3's you can actually take pictures and then upload them and add them to the collections on Google Earth so kids creations and photographs can actually be added so there's a lot of information possible as you go along in Google Earth last thing that is possible is a little bit hard to show the way we're working but there is actually a possibility to use the auto tilt to show the way things are topographically so if you do that the tilt on your iPad can show mountains and other features that are actually encoded so if we move from Beijing and we go somewhere else let's say Rio de Janeiro let's say and this is one warning that we want to say especially if you're running iPad ones like I do uh, Google Earth does tend to take a lot of memory and once in a while uh, it will close down on you usually we do not talk about apps that close down but we think that Google Earth has such a promise that it's worth suffering through it once in a while and again we can see Rio de Janeiro here and if we zoom in we can actually use the tilt to see the mountain lines around so if you turn around and tilt some more you can actually see the ranges so you can see the topography on Google Earth which is just a feature that if you're teaching geography if you're trying to get a sense of the terrain in any area that is something that you can imagine based on the map but it's actually really hard to do especially for younger kids here you can just tilt and see exactly how Rio de Janeiro is surrounded by mountains and again if you want to see some pictures you just click on those icons and they will come up telling you what it looks like from a mountain top right above Rio and that's probably worth seeing a bigger photo of so that's a lot about Google Earth and I think anybody teaching geography anybody teaching history of a specific area whether you're teaching about your own neighborhood or somewhere on the other side of the world Google Earth just has a wealth of information and things for adults and for obviously for students to explore now I want to talk about using the iPad as a teacher 
presentation, in a teacher presentation mode, and that is we can use the iPads to project the same kind of presentations we do when we use a computer. Again, the advantage is you can do that from your device without having to go to a computer. Sometimes it's more comfortable, sometimes it's less. And in the future, we'll talk a little bit about, a little bit about broadcasting it over the network. And at that point, you don't have to be connected to a projector. Right now, if you are presenting through a projector, in most cases, you, connect, you use a hardwire to connect it to that projector, which is a little bit clumsy and takes away that ability to walk around and be able to be interactive with students while you're presenting. So you've got to consider that as you do this. As the ability to do this over the network improves, it'll be much easier for teachers to project directly from their devices or for any student for that matter at any chosen moment to project to go to a projector and share what they're doing. I'm going to talk about two presentations, pieces of presentation software. One is Keynote, which is native to uh, iOS and interacts well with other presentations, including PowerPoint. The second one is Prezi, which is a little bit different. And if you are working already on Prezi, that's fantastic. If not, I suggest you go and explore Prezi as a desktop through application and then see how it inter interacts on the iPad. Because on the iPad, you don't get all the options that Prezi has online. So let's start with Keynote. So we're talking about Keynote. These are some presentations that I have here. And if we go to one of the folders, I can just show you. These are presentations that we've actually brought in from PowerPoint. So you can import PowerPoint presentation, and they'll show up in Keynote. Now, when, once they're in Keynote, Keynote will tell you if there were any problems importing. Sometimes they don't have the right visual. Sometimes they don't have the right font. They'll change it around, and you have to make sure that it actually still looks like you intended it to. But once it's here, you can edit it in any way that you want, including doing things like animate. So you can add animation. In this case, it'll just appear as it goes along. You can also change all the options of animation. That's one thing you can do. You can do the same things as you can in a PowerPoint. So you can start at any page. Just tapping will get you to the next page just like any other presentations. And if we had this on the screen, this would happen on the screen and not on your iPad. If you get out of a specific app, you can go back to presentations and choose another presentation. Or if you want, you can start a new presentation. And you can see you can copy it from different sources. Or you can create a new presentation. The usual starts, let's say we use this. We can add a picture. So instead of this picture, we can go to our photo collection, choose a photo. Let's say the photo we took before of the Earth will be our chosen photo. So we used Google Earth. And you can see, just double tap to add it. If you want to add another 
slide, you just tap on the plus on the bottom and then you choose what kind of slide you want. This is just a text slide. And again, you can change colors, you can change everything about this, including font and everything around it. So this works just like PowerPoint. It will project. It is native and designed for iOS, so you have very few problems with it. You can import old PowerPoints into it, or you can create new ones. If you have students' work, this works closely enough as PowerPoint that kids can create their own presentations when they're doing research, when they're doing work in groups, and present it to everybody else or share it through a website. And that is Keynote. The next one is Prezi. And as I said, for, to create Prezi's, you really want to go online and create it as a separate thing. Uh, with the Prezi viewer, what you can do is really show ones you've already created or you can edit them. And you can look at downloaded ones. These are two that I've created, but you can also download ones from their Prezi's we like. So you can go to this one, for example. It'll download and you can get a sense of what Prezi does as a presentation software. It is less linear than PowerPoint, although you can play it in a linear fashion and you can zoom in at any point. So if I do just this using the arrows, it'll go step by step as it was originally designed. But I actually can zoom out and go to any specific piece of this first. And it zooms in on specific data points that you can talk about and then zooms out and goes to the next section. And you can create your own, and when you do create your own, you can, to a certain degree, edit them on the iPad. But again, the recommendation is not to create them on the iPad, but actually to create them separately and then show them on the iPad. So this is our iPad project, and we just started this. There's a brainstorming period, and you can see exactly how this, again, plays out and you can go into every section and actually edit it if you click on it. You can move it around, or you can cancel it, etc. So this is Prezi, and again, you want to go online and just use a general version of Prezi before you do it on the iPad. Last today, I want to talk about problem solving. One of the skills that is most emphasized in 21st century learning is the ability to problem solve. Not a specific set of problems, so not following a set of procedures, but actually solving novel problems, figuring out the rules as you go. And this is actually rather hard to teach in the classroom because it's got to be open-ended problems or open-ended enough problems that don't follow a specific procedure. We sometimes do that in math. We sometimes do that in other areas. Reading comprehension is another. But if you want to teach problem solving on its own, one of the ways to do that using mobile devices, and especially the iPad, would be using games. There are certain games that are incredibly well suited to do this work and to really focus on kids' problem solving. Now, the one piece that has to be there instructionally is that kids have to verbalize why and how they're doing things. And that can happen in a few ways. They can explain it to a teacher. They can explain it 
to each other, or they can actually write a guide about how they go about solving a problem on that game. And you can use free games. It doesn't have to be things that cost money. And there are some really excellent examples of games that really promote problem solving. Jelly Car 1, 2, and 3 is one example. And I'm going to show it. Angry Birds, every, everybody's seemingly at least favorite game. And it keeps coming up with updates. Is another one, Water is another one I'm going to show. A Diner Dash is a totally different one when nobody gets hurt, which is really nice. And it's still about problem solving. So what you do is you can introduce the game, even if you send them to home to practice it. It doesn't have to happen in the classroom. And then what you do is you ask them to tell each other, or again, to write up, or even to tell the teacher how they solve a problem in that game. Because kids can go about trial and error, never figuring out the rules. And we want to avoid that. And we also want to avoid excessive just playing around, failing, trying it again, and all of that. We want to guide kids to start finding out the rules of that environment and how they go about solving the problem and getting to the goal. And I'm going to go through a few of those and share that. This is Jellycar, and what you have to do in Jellycar is get to the end. And here's a, a simple one. You move by pressing the button here. You can control the direction by pressing one way or another. And if you press on the card, it gets bigger. It's a very simple world with very simple rule. And the idea is just to get to the end point as quickly as you can. And again, the main point here not, is not that it's a game. The main point here is that kids have to devise a strategy as to what will work better here. And so this is one screen. And you can see that there are other problems as you go along. And this is, by the way, an iPad and iPod Touch slash iPhone app. And you can see you can drive through this, for example. You're getting to the end. If you don't know where the end, you can actually zoom out and see what's, what's coming ahead of you. And actually, the tilt on the machine is part of playing this game and figuring it out. So you want to make sure that that's included. So that's, again, Jelly Car. And again, what you want kids to do is not just to play around, but after they played around a few rounds, and again, this can happen at home, you want them to verbalize how they're solving the problem. What is going on? How they're solving the problem? How are they figuring out the rules of this specific world? So when we zoom out of Jelly Car, there are, as I said, multiple versions of Jelly Car. And so we can go into the third one. And in the third one, that is now by Disney, there are actually other function as well. So the world itself is more complicated. And one of the things they've added, which is excellent for that thinking process, is you can actually save your last course. And this is just the way to create a new car. And this is not helpful. But if you play now, and you play, find the stop sign. That's the goal here. So it's clearly defined. And you can go back. And you can see that there are different rules. So you can make your car bigger. You can make it sticky. In this case, I lost. And so, and so you can make it bigger and smaller. 
you can go in this direction and then the wheels are sticky so if you go on something you'll just go round and round and round obviously not very good at figuring out the rules of this world and you can watch a replay of what you've done so you can actually figure out wh where you went wrong and what you might do next time so if I play this forward it'll show me exactly what I did and I can actually speed it up this is what I did I went back and forth and this is where I needed to do something up if I go backwards a little bit I can actually point to where I made my error and that's a way again oh, for kids to be able to think about what they've done and about problem solving. And this is called Where's My Water? And if you play the uh, this game, and I'm, my kids like this game very, very much, what you do is you have to get water for the alligator who obviously lives in the sewer system under New York. And for those of us who don't believe in this urban legend, it doesn't matter. You can still play the game. So this is Swampy, and Swampy wants to take a bath. And for that, the water has to get through to him, this is the simplest level, but you can see the principle. You have to figure out how to get the water as quickly as possible and try to get as many duckies as possible because we all know duckies are very, very important to alligators who live in our sewer system. And again, each level becomes more and more complicated and therefore more and more problems for kids to solve. And you can see how you can assign for example, specific levels to students to try and figure out or to guide other students through as they go along. And again, this is an excellent focus on problem solving in a controlled environment, but with rules that aren't always clear. And you've got to figure out fairly innovative solutions to these problems. So as we talk about that idea of problem solving, this is a wonderful way to do that. Kids will stay engaged and will keep at it. And this is a great way to give them something to do at home if they have devices or options at home and then have the discussion happen in class. So in a way you're using that idea of flipping that we talked about as we talked about the Khan Academy and other places where you're doing a lot of the work at home and then you're coming and doing the discussion and the thinking work and the learning work at school. So today we did this and that. We did a little bit about Flipboard and Google Earth. We did Keynote and Prezi to think about presentations and then problem solving using games. And again, we don't want to do a lot of games in the classroom, but we want to use it as a way to focus on problem solving. So especially if we can do it off the instructional clock, that is a fantastic way to think about this. In a way, just like we do uh, book reports and other things where we send kids home to do some work and then they come back and talk about it is a great way to think about it. So next time, as we promised, we're going to do social science and we're going to focus on a variety of apps for a variety of grades, ones that include 
multiple medias. We might have a visitor that wants to talk about some of these. Uh, we're still trying to make sure that he comes. In uh, the next few, we're going to start focusing on grade levels. So we are going to do a few that are grade level specific. We'll do a one for the early grades, primary grades, preschool through first grade, and then move up that scale and try to do it from a different perspective than we are right now. So we've focused on specific ideas and we'll finish with social sciences and then we'll move to grade levels and try to present it that way. Until next time, this is TechEd.